Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Prayer is so simple. Maybe it's too simple. And you know what's sad? Many a Christian and certainly many a pastor have unnecessarily complicated prayer. And the result of it is that it has created prayerless Christians resulting in loveless Christians, which in turn makes powerless Christians. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Praying in front of others can bring fear equivalent to that of public speaking, maybe even greater. We hear eloquent prayers and think we need to pray in the same manner. In this message, Pastor J.D. discusses the idea that we've made prayer too difficult. Prayer should be simple. And while it is a powerful act, it's a simple and heartfelt conversation we have with God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When we learned that our daughter Noel was going to die, I sent Brooklyn Tabernacle Church a prayer request uh, to pray for us and they have people there in that church praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have to understand, too, that in this church, they're right there in the, the hub of Brooklyn, and they on any given day have heroin addicts and prostitutes and, I mean, broken people who walk into the front door of that church, and many come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it's all birthed out of prayer, out of prayer. Well, I've watched this video numerous times. I've actually literally lost count. And like a venture in faith, both videos concerning chiefly prayer have had a profound impact on my life over the years. And that's where our text comes in now today. And with it, the example of the Apostle Paul's love for and prayer for the Christians in the Corinthian church. I don't know if you noticed it or not when we were reading the text, but Paul refers to prayer two times in four verses. Why do I point that out? Because it's Paul's tough love for the Corinthians that propels Paul's prayer for the Corinthians. It's been said of Paul that he had camel knees because he was always on his knees in prayer. Paul was a man of prayer. And Paul was a man of prayer because Paul was a loving man, and he certainly loved these Corinthians, and that's what I want to talk about today. Let me say it this way. If I love, I'll pray, and if I pray, I'll love. 
And I want to explain that and expound on that. In verse 7, Paul prays that they won't do anything wrong, and he says that it's not so others see that he himself, Paul, had stood the test, but because they must do what's right. And in verses 8 and 9, he says he cannot do anything against the truth, only for the truth, and he's glad that when he's weak, it's okay. (laughs) He's okay with that if it means that they are strong, which he says is his prayer. In other words, he's actually praying specifically that way for them. Verse 10, he goes on to tell them the reason that he's writing them in this way in his absence is because when he comes, he doesn't want to be harsh with them using that God-given authority that he has, which is to build them up and not to tear them down. In order to better understand what Paul is saying here, it is really imperative that we view this through the lens of Paul's love for the Corinthians. He's speaking the truth in love to them because of his love for them, which is why and even how he prays specifically concerning them. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Paul loved them, but they did not love Paul. It was not reciprocated on the part of the Corinthians. And even Paul alludes to this back in chapter 12, verse 15, where he, in effect, says, the more I love you, the less you love me in return. But that's not going to stop me from loving you. I'm not going to withhold my love for you. In fact, if anything, I I love you even more, regardless of whether or not it's reciprocated on your part or not. I would suggest that the reason they didn't love Paul in return is because they didn't pray for Paul. He had prayed for them. Again, to love is to pray, and to pray is to love. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that the more I pray, the more I'll love. And conversely, the more I love, the more I'll pray. One of the things that I just have really come to realize in my relationship with the Lord is that prayer changes you. We say prayer changes things, but prayer really changes me. It changes my heart. It really sort of softens my heart. It's my hope that the simplicity of this doesn't lead to the dismissiveness of this in the sense that prayer is so simple. Prayer is so simple. You know what prayer is? Prayer is just talking to God. On Thursday night in Psalm 6, you read how David prayed, and you would think that he was talking to his best friend. He was. What a friend 
we have in Jesus. Oh, what needless pain we bear as the hymn of old goes, all because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Prayer is so simple. Maybe it's too simple. And you know what's sad? Many a Christian and certainly many a pastor have unnecessarily complicated prayer. And the result of it is that it has created prayerless Christians, resulting in loveless Christians, which in turn makes powerless Christians. When you see prayer as something that's complicated, or even as something that needs to be formal, you essentially remove it from being a get-to, and you turn it into a got-to. And again, I, I hope I've not done this, but many pastors is at fault for talking about, we, we need to pray, we need to be in the Word more. Okay, i got to pray. i got to get in the Word more. I think of what we affectionately call our devotions, you know, our devotional life. That time that we set aside, usually in the morning, to spend time with the Lord, to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. We devote that time to the Lord. And it's sad because I know in my own life, the enemy has in large measure over the years succeeded in making it a, I've got to do this instead of, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do this. I, I can't wait to have this time with Jesus. You shouldn't, how do I word this without, <laughs> I appreciate your patience with me. This is, um, you shouldn't have to say to yourself, I got to pray. It should just be, I'm praying. I'm praying. It should never be a, a got to. It should always be a get to. I think of Peter. No one had to tell him to pray when he took his eyes off of Jesus there in that storm on the Sea of Galilee, and then he miraculously walked on water. And when he took his eyes off the Lord, you know the story, he began to sink. And as he's sinking, he cries out to the Lord, and he simply prays a three-word prayer Lord, save me. Can you imagine if Jesus would have said, you call that a prayer? I thought I taught you better how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. He prays a three-word prayer, Lord, save me, and Jesus answers the prayer and saves Peter. How simple is that? How simple is that? I like how one said it. 
It's not the length of the prayer, it's the strength of the prayer. Oh, by the way, that does not apply to sermons, as by now I'm sure you're very aware of. The effectual, fervent prayer of those who are righteous in Christ, James 5.16 says, avails much, accomplishes much. Don't you find it interesting that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray and that they didn't ask him to teach them how to preach? Think about that. Why do you think that is? I believe that the disciples watched the Savior pray and were so moved by the power that came as a result of that prayer. And they wanted that. They wanted that. Jesus, I would imagine them asking, teach us to pray that way. Because we see what that does and accomplishes. And we want that in our lives. I was thinking this last week that if we would but go around and give you an opportunity to share your testimony of answered prayer, it would be so Fabulous, for lack of a better word. It would be so edifying. It would be so encouraging. We all have our stories of God moving his mighty hand on behalf of his own who would simply ask him. I think of what Jesus said about answered prayer. He, in effect, said this. The prayer you pray will absolutely, without question, without exception, be answered if it'll bring glory to the Father. Ask anything according to my will, and you will have that which you ask for. That's pretty certain, isn't it? James says, you have not because you ask not. You know, the only prayer that will remain unanswered is the prayer that remains unasked. I imagine the Lord waiting for us to pray. And I I imagine the Lord at his disposal having the hosts of heaven on standby, waiting for J.D. to pray. And then, here, here I come. Lord says, okay, get ready. He's getting ready to pray. Whatever he asks, done. As soon as he asks, done. And here I come, and I pray. Lord, bless this food. Okay, it's just another meal prayer. Go back to where you were. <laughs> Never mind. Here, the Lord was waiting for me to ask for big things. He's a big God. Ask of me anything, and I will give it to you. If it brings glory to my Father, and if it's according to my will. When 
the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray like that, we have what's known as the Lord's Prayer, which isn't really the Lord's Prayer. It's really more of a template for how we're to pray. We actually do have a record of what the Lord prayed, and it's in the entirety of the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And I would like to read verses 20 through 26. I would certainly encourage you to turn there and follow along. Jesus is praying. He starts praying for himself. He prays for his disciples, and then he prays in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, speaking of the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And then he says this, verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that, and here it is again, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you see the connection between prayer and love and love and prayer? Okay, pastor, this is all fine and dandy. I must not be very loving because I I don't pray for people that I probably should pray for and I I certainly don't pray for my enemies. Oh. Oh, that's right. Jesus says something about that too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Matthew's Gospel chapter 6, here it is. You didn't think you were going to get away without hearing this, right? If I'm not going to get away from it, neither are you. I can assure you of that. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And it's right here. And it's got to be the same in your Bible. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And by the way, rain, especially in that day, was a good thing. You'll forgive the abrupt close, but I want to offer two final thoughts, really in the form of a question And the first one is this. Have you ever noticed that you can't stay angry at someone for whom you are praying? You might start off, you know, okay, I'll pray for my enemies. Lord, oh God, kill them. (laughs) Do something to them, Lord. I know, you've never done that. Neither have I, just theoretically, you know. I'll pray for my enemies, all right. No, no, you might start that way. Lord, I pray that you'll... Just bless them, Lord. Unless it's not your will, of course. And then... (laughs) Here's why Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Because if you'll pray for your enemies, they will not be your enemies very much longer. Because when you pray for somebody, what will result in that prayer is love. And the more you pray, the more you love, and the more you love, the more you pray. The second one is more of a request that I just want to leave you with. I would encourage you to... If you're able, you can actually go to our YouTube channel and watch the Thursday night teaching on the power of prayer because in it I did take the time, the time that I'm not going to take this morning to talk about where I see the Lord taking us as a church in the days that lie ahead. Uh, It is my belief that we are entering a, a period of time in human history that, as we're going to talk about in the prophecy update, is the likes of which we've never seen before. And the clarion call for the church today is to pray. To pray. I shared on Thursday night a research report about how the rate of suicide amongst young people is off the charts. You know, we're losing our kids. After the Bible study Thursday night, I had someone tell me that last year there were four teenagers that committed suicide. I think it was two or three of them committed suicide on the one-year anniversary of their friend who committed suicide. We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our community, for this area. We need to pray for the island. We need to pray for the islands. We need to pray together as a church. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. 
we've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices. So you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website. And with more information, here's Pastor JD. Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians.